Do you hate closing down the RV for winter? Do you wonder if you missed a step? Today, I'm walking you through my sad annual process of tucking my baby in for what I hope will be just a short winter's nap. Closing up the camper on today's show. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. The Girl Camper Podcast is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 13 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing support and sponsorship for Girl Camper is Campco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And GoRVing.com, home base for everything you need to get started RVing. And of course, our friends at Liberty Outdoors, makers of the Max and Mini RVs. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, girl camping ambassador, blogger, adventurist, and podcaster, and this is episode 195 of Girl Camper, the podcast. Well, in today's show, I'm talking about that thing that we hate to talk about, folding up that camper for the winter. I hope it's going to be a short winter. I hope it's not going to be buttoned up there too long in the driveway, but I want to walk everybody through it because I know so many of our listeners have their very first RV and maybe this is the first time they're doing it. Also, I just think it's kind of fun to see other people's processes because I'm always wondering if there's something I'm missing too, but I'm taking you through my process that I've been doing for years and hopefully it'll help you make sure you've dotted all those I's and crossed all those T's. I also want to take a minute to just thank everybody for the incredible response to our new website. I was so overwhelmed by everybody's good wishes and kind remarks and by all the email I got, especially everyone who is writing to me to see if they can become a Girl Camper Guide. I have gotten all of your emails and I'm putting it all together and I'll be sending everybody something. But right now, we're fixing little glitches and doing everything while I'm trying to get ready for all the kids to come home and do Thanksgiving as well. I promise we are going to get to you. And I I just want to thank everybody because Girl Camper is really not about the organization. It's about the Girl Campers themselves. It's about all of you out there who are doing it and hoping to do it. So you are what makes Girl Campers so great. So thank you for being Girl Campers. Okay, I am going to come back in a minute and we're going to jump right into our list of 
the steps I take when I'm buttoning down my camper for the winter. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to talk to you about something from our friends at Go RVing. RVing is more affordable than you might think. So head on over to GoRVing.com and click on that affordability tab to find out how RV travel can be more economical than other types of vacations. They also have valuable information on the ins and outs of buying and renting an RV. And renting an RV is something I always suggest to someone who might be considering a certain model. Just rent it first and see if it's everything you want it to be before you plop down the money and buy it and actually own it. They even have expert advice on purchasing RV insurance. While you're there, check out their vacation value generator where you can compare the cost of a family RV vacation to the cost of other types of family vacations. Just head on over to GoRVing.com and find your away. We'll be back in a minute and we're talking about packing up that camper. <laughs> Sad. Welcome back, everyone. I really wanted to cover this subject because every single day I get letters from people that say, I bought my first RV, it's in my driveway. And I realize that the whole idea of winterizing is really foreign to um, new RV owners. And I want to go over this and talk about what my process is. And I know that's going to be different than other people's process. I'm only sharing mine. This is how I do it. Maybe I have a step in here you don't do, but maybe you have a step I don't do. And if I, if you do, please tell me what it is because maybe I want to put it on my list. So I want to start with the number one thing I do, and that is to winterize the RV. So I want to explain what I mean by winterize because for someone with a brand new RV, that term can mean a lot of different things. So when I say winterize, I'm referring to getting all the liquids out of the lines in your RV and filling them with antifreeze that, so that they don't freeze and expand and rupture your pipes during the cold months. So everyone's RV will have a slightly different design and you should winterize according to whatever your manufacturer's instructions are. A lot of manufacturers have YouTube videos that can assist you with this. And even if they don't, there's generally a group that exists related to your RV. So the RPOD owners group or the MAX group. And there's generally someone from that group who has been kind enough to videotape the process and share it with us. So I always love those YouTubers. <laughs> I appreciate them so much. If you're unsure and you just don't want to take the chance of missing an important step, you can always call a mobile RV service and they come right out to your house and they do it for you in your driveway and it's like $125 and it's worth every penny. You can also take it to an RV dealer near you. They'll pull it into their service bays and they'll get it done there and then you could take it back in the spring and they'll undo it. This isn't something that you have to learn or do your first year out or even ever if you don't want to. If you just want the assurance that someone who really knows what they're talking about did it, go ahead and pay to have it done. Now, before we move off this subject, I want to say one more thing about the people who live in warm weather states like Texas or in the Deep South. Maybe you're not planning on doing any winter camping. And maybe you think because you're in a, you know, really generally warm state that you wouldn't have to winterize yours. 
But you still should consider winterizing it or at least opening up all the valves and draining all of the water out of your tanks. Then if there was one of those weird gripping cold spells, you wouldn't be in any danger. So even if you don't winterize in deep, deep Texas, go ahead and drain all of those tanks and leave your valves open. Okay, my next step in the process of buttoning down for the winter is to just do a really deep clean of the interior. I remove all the food, all the clothing, all the bedding, all the kitchen linens, anything that's a fabric I take out of there. The only thing I leave inside the RV is kitchen gear. I don't remove my pots and pans and dishes and serving pieces. I keep all of my silverware in there, but I do put my silverware in Ziploc bags. Um, I just do that in case a mouse gets in. I just like it zipped up. I also lift my mattress up with empty cardboard boxes from Amazon, which I seem to always have. I don't want my mattress laying directly against the wooden base. I just like there to be some airflow there between the mattress and the wood in case of condensation. I don't want um, any mold or anything to build up there. So I use six boxes. I use one in each corner and then I put two in the middle and that just keeps air flowing underneath my mattress for me. After I get that mattress propped up, I scrub out the sink and the shower and the refrigerator and the floors. I just give it a thorough, thorough deep clean. I leave the refrigerator door open with a box of Arm & Hammer baking soda in there to absorb any odors. You could put two pieces of charcoal, you know, charcoal briquettes, they do the same thing. I place the cushions from the booth in an upright position again so they're not laying flat. I just like air flowing around them. So I put those things up. I pull down all the shades so that sunlight coming into my camper isn't damaging the upholstery and the flooring or discoloring the stained wood in there. I have a protective UV on my windows, but I just do it anyway. The last thing I do before I finish up inside is I turn off the breaker panel at the panel box, the breaker switch at the panel box. When I return in the spring, I first check the camper for any water leaks that I might have had. I look around for mouse droppings or weird odors, and then I start reversing the whole process again. But we will talk about that in the spring, and it's a way happier ritual in the spring than it is in the fall. So after I do that, I go outside and I clean the exterior of the camper. I wash the whole exterior of the camper with the Camco RV wash and wax cleaner that leaves it so clean and shiny. I also have that brush on an extended pole. I talked about it a few weeks ago on the show. It hooks up to your garden hose and I dump it in the bucket and I scrub everything down. And that really helps me to get to those hard to get at areas. My RV is pretty small, so with that extendable brush, I don't have to get up on a ladder, which I really don't want to do. But when you're cleaning the exterior, you just want to get off anything that's on there, like all the old bird poop, road dirt, um, dead baked on bugs, and any black streaks that have come off the ceilings around the windows. Get all of those marks and everything off and make sure that camper is just bone dry. Now, 
I got to tell you this. Sometimes I wait too long to do this and I do it on a really cold fall day when I'm running out of time and I feel like, oh my gosh, it could snow next week. I better get out there and do this. If you wait too long to do this, it's really, really unpleasant to be wet in cold weather. So, but I get that all done and I'm always so glad I did in the spring because when that thing is nice and shiny, it makes your spring cleanup so much better. Now, while I'm doing the outside, I also check all of the window seals. And this year I did have one bad seal in the top left corner of my front window when it was opened up. That black seal was coming away from the camper and I had to make a repair on that because water might have gotten in that over the winter. I also check all of the door hinges because door hinge screws can become loose over time. You have to remember that when you're pulling that camper down the road at 60 miles an hour, everything is jarring in it. So just check all the screws. If you have any squeaky hinges or slow to open like a grinding, it feels like it's stuck, it's a good time to hit them up with some WD-40 before you close it all up. I also hit the hinges on my step. So the step under my door that pulls out, that kind of gets rusty and grindy right there. I just spray that with a little WD-40 before I pack it all up for the winter. I check all of the seals on the exterior storage doors and make sure that they're good and I make sure that the locks are working. I'm gonna lock those all up when I pack it up. I also remove Anything in my storage compartments that's made its way in there over my camping season that isn't really supposed to be in there. You know how when you're packing up and you kind of tend to throw things in there, frisbees and, you know, cornhole games, you know, anything that isn't really a piece of gear, I get out of there. Sometimes I stick my grill in there and I really don't want my grill in there. So I take out the rugs out of there and I take out my chairs. I store the chairs in the garage over the winter, but I leave in all of my hoses and my plugs and my extra chocks. I bring my Camco Power Defender. I bring that in the house really because I'm afraid of it being stolen. Um, my camper is going to be covered up, but I just always bring that into the garage. And then I make sure that everything around those doors is clean and any kind of dirt or debris, leaves and sticks and crap that got into the bottom of my storage unit, I just clean that out before the uh, it gets put away for the winter. Now, after I finish the whole exterior of the camper, making sure the window seals are done and all the dirt and everything is off it, now I want to hit that awning. So I've made the mistake in the past of rolling up my awning in the rain with wet leaves on it, thinking, oh, I'll be back here next weekend. I was packing up my camper. It was on a seasonal site. I was packing it up on a fall rainy day and it was full of wet leaves and I couldn't get them all off just because my old camper was very tall and I didn't have a ladder or something long enough to reach it. And I rolled that all up with wet leaves in it. And then I never did get back. The camper was already winterized and everything, but I, I thought I would be back and I could unroll that on a warm or dry day and fix that. 
but those wet leaves in that rolled up awning sat there all winter long. (laughs) And when I opened that thing in the spring, the leaves had imprinted themselves on the white awning fabric, but not in a pretty artistic kind of way, in a really sloppy, yucky kind of way. So I did get it all off with a lot of scrubbing and a lot of products, and I was able to get those little leaf silhouettes off of it, but I never want to make that mistake again. When you're getting your awning ready for the winter close-up, you should drop your awning down against the side of the camper and really clean it. Make sure that you've got every little mark off it. I do use the Camco awning cleaner. That works really great. But before you close that awning back up, you've got to make sure it is bone dry front and back. You don't want any leaves on it. And then when you roll it up for the winter, it's dry and it's not going to um, be opened up in the spring to big surprises. So very important that you take care of that awning. Okay, we're going to come back in a minute and we're going to continue this list. But first, I have a message from our friends at Campco. And this message comes with a little personal story because I mentioned earlier that we were camping in Texas last week. I chose Texas for this event for the fall because I thought, isn't this going to be great? It's so beautiful in Texas in the fall. But don't I get down there and it's the coldest season they've had there in like six years. (laughs) First time the temperatures dropped this low in November in five or six years sitting in Kate Dunbar's camper, sleeting rain and ice pellets hitting her beautiful Airstream. We got the heat going. We troubleshooted a couple of things that uh, we had trouble with, but one thing we didn't even think about, we woke up in the morning to no running water because Kate's water hose had frozen from the bib to the camper. And I said... I can't believe you don't have a Campco heated hose. (laughs) Well, she's going to have one now. And I'm telling you, these things are great. I could have used this so many times. So this is a hose. It it is wrapped and it's made with a um, insulation going around it that protects it. It operates on 120 volt or AC. It keeps your lines from freezing overnight so that if you are camping and the temperatures really go down, it's going to keep your water from freezing. It'll keep your water from freezing down to minus 20 degrees. So this is such an important thing. The 25 foot hose that they have costs $85.19 on Amazon. They have all different sizes. They're BPA free so you can drink out of them. And it is something I sure wish we had last week. <laughs> so, all right, let's go back and continue our list on the the fall cleanup of the trailer. So after I get my awning done, I go outside and I start work on the outside of the RV. And the first thing I do out there is I disconnect the LP gas tank and I remove the battery. So I bring the battery indoors and I connect that to a trickle charger for the winter. It's a good time to test your battery to see what level of water is in it. I usually put this in my basement or laundry room. It should be in a cool, dry place. Last year, I actually just kept it in the corner of my mudroom. A trickle charger is a really good investment to have. They only cost about $20 or $30, but they can save you the cost of a brand new battery. And a marine battery for your camper can cost up to $200. It's something you really want to take care of because... 
If you let that battery drop all the way down to being completely discharged, you can bring it up to a charge again, but it's not going to hold that charge. It's just like when your cell phone battery just decides it's done. Cell phone batteries have 600 charges in it. If you have an iPhone, they come with 600 charges. Once you hit that number, it's defunct. And you have to keep that battery plugged in all the time. And this is what happens with an RV battery. It seems fine while you're driving and it's charging. But once you stop, it immediately discharges. It's not going to hold that charge anymore. So make sure you bring that battery in over the winter and put a trickle charger on it. Now, the last step I do on the outside is I disconnect the LP tank I actually disconnect it. I don't just shut it off. I take it out of the valve, but I don't take the tank out of the front. I just leave it sitting in there. It just sits there till next year. Unless, of course, we run out of gas in the middle of the winter and my husband needs it for the barbecue. <laughs> that seems to actually happen a lot. I think in the back of his mind, he thinks of that as a backup tank. Anyway, so before I close up the RV, I do do some pest control measures in it. So my RV is parked in my driveway and it's sitting on blacktop, so it's not a big rodent area. I've never had a mouse get in my camper in my driveway here. But when we lived in our old house, it was parked in a field of grass and it was a bigger problem. And I was always checking it all winter long always putting fresh stuff in it. So you can try all these different products like peppermint oil and sheets of bounce, but the reality is if it's gonna sit out there for five months, that peppermint oil or whatever that strong agent is that is repelling the mice, it's going to lose its odor and strength and then they just really tear up your dryer sheets and use them for bedding and they, and they eat your um, Irish spring soap. So I've tried a couple of these things over the years. Now, something I used in my house last um, winter when mice were getting in my garage was something called Grandpa Gus's All Natural Pest Control. So I did put that on my list. Um, it was actually on one of my top picks because it was a great thing for my garage. So I'm going to use it in my trailer this year and I'm hoping I get good results. I put it in my shed last winter too. So I'll put a link on that. But I will tell you that there's another one that people always tell me about and that I've never used it myself, but it really is highly recommended by the RV crowd. Something called Fresh Cab. So I've read a bunch of reviews on this and a, a lot of people really like it. I'm going to put both of the links in the show notes so you can um, look at both of them and see if you might want to try something like that. I feel like if you're like me and you don't feel like it's a real danger, like sitting in my driveway here in suburbs. I don't have a mouse problem, but obviously they were in my shed in my garage, so they're around. This is one of those things where an ounce of protection is worth a pound of cure. Mice can do so much damage to an RV, including chewing the wires. So you know what? If you've got to go out and spend $30 on this product, you know what? Just do it. It's worth it. 
Okay, the next thing I do when I get my pest control all set up in there and everything's out and I've got all my drawers open, I leave all my drawers open, is I lock the trailer up. Now, usually my RV is not locked on the, in the driveway because I'm really, I'm just in and out of it all the time. I live on a dead-end street. I don't I don't really worry about it. Um, but when I, when I um, hook it up or when I batten it down for the winter there, I make sure all the doors are locked and I locked all of my outdoor hatches too. So one thing I don't do that there's a um, thing of debate about is I don't leave a window cracked or a ceiling vent slightly opened. If you have a little teardrop that comes with the windows like mine, you'll know that there's a little setting where you can latch it as tight as can be or go one setting over and it just lets like a half an inch of air flow through there. I don't do that. I really want to keep the moisture out of my trailer. And actually, RVs have enough little airways that uh, circulation is happening there. And I'm not too worried about mold and condensation. So I keep all the windows tightly locked and the ups, uh, ceiling vents locked as well. The last thing I will do is I will cover it. Now, I've talked about this before, and I was recently asked about this. Uh, someone sent in a question to Mark Polk on this topic about covering your RV, and Mark replied, and it's on girlcamper.com under Mark Polk, if you can cover it, you should. I mean, ideally, wouldn't it be nice if we could keep our RVs in a garage, but most of us can't. Um, if you can cover it, you should. It's sun damage, does so much damage to the roof, to the seals, to the tire, and to the exterior paint job on your RV. It's just going to wear longer and look better for longer if you can cover it. So a few years ago, I bought an inexpensive cover for my Riverside Retro. I think my husband paid a little over $100 for it on some website. It came in the mail, and it was adjustable. That's in air quotes there. So we got it on there. The thing was so much bigger than the trailer and it came with all of these straps. So by the time my husband and I wrapped that thing around and around and of course he didn't think it was still tight enough. So then he went and got these expandable bungee cords. I mean, really, it looked like it looked like Hillbilly Haven out there. It was it was looked like a dump station. It, it was so bad. And the thing is, the first really big storm that came up, it just tore it apart. I mean, my husband went outside and the thing was up the street. So he went running up the street and he got the thing, shoved it all back in a bag and it's torn in tattered condition and sent it back and fought with the company about a refund over it. So I think when it comes to RV covers, you really do get what you pay for. Um, this is my first year actually using an RV cover because I usually keep my Max at the factory in Somerset, Pennsylvania. So it's tucked in nice and dry and, and away from the sun and everything in a corner of the factory all winter. I don't want to do this that, um, that this year because I still have one more trip, believe it or not. I'm going to North Carolina with my Max the first week in December, two weeks from when you're hearing this show. And then I'm also hoping to take it to Tybee Island in February. Even if it's winterized, I want to bring it down there when we do our camp out. And I'll have um, my I'll have hookups so I can plug it in. I'll have my propane. I can use the heat. I just won't be able to use the water line. So this year, I bought the cover specifically made for a Max. So 
when I get back from North Carolina, I'm going to cover it up. It has a zipper right by the door. So if I had to get in the door and just check on it, make sure no mice are in it. And if you can do that, do it, please. So this year... I got the breathable cover. So it's going to make me happy to look out there and know that snow and ice are not sitting on my solar panels in my air conditioner because I can see out the skylight in my garage roof over the second story of my garage. I can see out in my driveway and I can see the ice and snow sitting on top of my camper and I'm just in my mind I'm going it's freezing and it's expanding and it's melting and it's expanding and freezing again and I'm like what is that doing to all of my systems there? I've never had a problem yet, but I'm going to be happy to have it covered up. Okay, so I have one last suggestion for you, and that is before your baby goes into snooze mode, and that is wherever it is you're going to park it, whether it's your driveway or you're parking it in a um, paid space that you're paying for, an RV storage facility, when you bring it there, drop the stabilizing jacks. Really, it doesn't do anything to lift any pressure off the tires. It's not for that reason. You should never drop your stabilizing jacks more than just to stabilize it. They're not meant to hold the weight of the trailer. So don't use your stabilizing jacks to take pressure off your tires. But drop them down as a theft deterrent measurement. Um, One of the things that we know about people who steal RVs and they do whether it's your driveway or whether it's storage facilities and it seems so often to me that when I see these videos they're actually being stolen from a storage facility and they've been caught on camera but they're long gone so they may have the guy's truck a picture of it usually he's smart enough to cover up his plate but if they want it they're going to get it so you got to make it as hard for them as possible. We always call it a theft deterrent measure because they're going to go for the low hanging fruit. You know, people who steal are opportunistic. So when they look around, if you've got your stabilizing jacks down and you've got it chained to something and you've got a, a device on your hitch and you've got a wheel Uh, lock device on it they're going to go on to the next guy chances are they're going to have to really want yours if they're going to go through all those things to get those off so always after the low-hanging fruit the other thing our friend mark polk suggests and i love this too is to make sure that your tires when you park it for the winter you top off your tires to the manufacturer's suggested psi I love this because we know that we're losing about 5% of our tire pressure every month. So think about this. Five or six months go by, you've lost 30% of your tire pressure. If you're losing that, it doesn't change the weight of your tire. So you've got 30% less air by the end of your storage time, and the weight of the trailer is the same, and that breaks down the walls of the inside of your tires. So make sure you top off those tires when you store it for the winter. Well, that's it, my friends. That is our tips and tricks. That's my process for packing up the um, trailer for the winter. Um, I haven't done mine yet. Um, I got one more trip, and I'm hanging on to that thing. I'm really looking forward, and I hope it's warm enough in North Carolina. I'm actually going down there to do some work with our friends at Camco, but um, I'm hoping that I get to camp in it one more time. Maybe it'll be a a warm spell when I'm down there. So thank you everybody for listening today. I want to bring you a message from our friends at General RV. 
I'm so looking forward to the upcoming uh, RV show season. General RV has some fantastic dealerships. They're the nation's largest family-owned RV dealership with 13 service locations all over the country. They have a massive inventory of over 5,000 RVs. And this number always blows my mind. They have 500 fully equipped service bays. It, it just Every time I read it, it seems like a wrong number to me. But that's how they got started. They got started in 1953 in a gas station in Detroit, and they've been growing and growing ever since. They offer service where you travel, hundreds of brands and manufacturers, top quality customer service, and unbeatable prices. So check them out at generalrv.com, and you will see when you go to all of our Girl Camper microsites at girlcamper.com, you can click over to any one of our sponsors from their pages, too. That's a wrap, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful and beautiful, blessed Thanksgiving. I tell you right now that I am thanking God for you in my life and thanking God for my girl camping community. And I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Happy trails, everyone.